Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Y'all know sometimes I like it when I can kind of go into like newsman anchor mode here, anchorman mode here off the top of the program, and today's one of those days where I get a chance to do that. We'll obviously talk a lot about G-Day from Saturday, the big commitment that Georgia got on Easter Sunday yesterday, the other recruiting subplots that kind of played out with all of this. But first, here in our program... We begin with breaking news. I'm going to read this straight from uh, Mike Griffith here at uh, DogNation.com. This just posting uh, a moment ago, he says, Georgia sophomore offensive tackle Amarius Mims is expected to stay with the Bulldogs after putting his name in the transfer portal. Multiple outlets reported the pending news, including 24-7 sports. So there you go. It looks like Mims, uh, according to these reports that are out there, coming back to the uh, University of Georgia. Rivals have reported this over the weekend. 24-7 had been reporting this some now, too. And it looks like this has kind of taken another, uh, I guess, uh, iteration, another turn here, as it appears that Mims might be coming back to Georgia. Let me see if I can give you the timeline on some of all of this, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what it means and then we'll kind of get into some of the other topics related to the weekend there as well obviously a very big big story for georgia fans here so when mims put his name in the transfer portal it was largely assumed that hey he was interested in what he was not really getting at georgia last year which was immediate playing time but also interested to maybe cash in and i think mike griffith kind of reported some on this uh you know cash in on the potential for like a name image likeness deal somewhere else and when Mims took the visit to Florida State last week, and we've shown you a video of this before, a local reporter, Brennan Sinone, had some uh, footage of him showing up there, and he was there on a multi-day visit, and there had been apparently something that had gone down on that Wednesday, and some of the reporters close to the Florida State program didn't really shy away from the suggestion that was NIL-related. And you'll remember kind of middle of last week, that's when Bud Elliott, who's a national reporter for 24-7 Sports, but kind of got his start as a you know guy connected to the Florida State program, he put in a crystal ball for Mims to go to Florida State and, you know, you know, kind of went into some detail about why he kind of thought that was going to happen. Uh, War Chant, which is the rival site for uh, uh, Florida State, uh, and I'll read what's on the screen here in a moment, but War Chant, the rival site for Florida State, had had gone into, you know, basically even more detail than that, essentially, you know, essentially reporting that that Mims was going to go to Florida State and, and treating that as was a done deal. I saw that on the screen. Was that new stuff? Can, can you throw that back up here again? Uh, so this is yeah this is their original uh this is the war chant tweet originally according to a source with knowledge of the situation former georgia offensive lineman amarius mims is signing with florida state football so that's a very strongly worded report from war chant back last week and as i said before you know based on what some of their reporters have said about this based on some of the chat chatter there around tallahassee a lot of this was related to something that had gone down i believe it was wednesday night of last week where you know some sort of agreement was met made to the point where people close to the program thought well that's it that that does it mims is coming to florida state so much so that war chant reported it basically as a done deal leaving themselves very little wiggle room with the way they reported that but as you're aware 
when the visit to Florida State ended, Mims left, and he did not commit to Florida State. He went on to Miami, and at the time, I think that was, to the folks in Tallahassee, a little bit weird of, you know, after there had been so much confidence that Mims was going to Florida State to leave without committing, to take to, to go take his next visit and all this, started to feel a, a little bit weird. And, and then there was some stuff on Easter Sunday yesterday, as I said before, the UGA rival site, the UGA 24-7 site, both reporting it as a very strong possibility that Mims might be having a change of heart, might be coming back to UG and all of this. And, you know, th- there appeared to be almost a level of confirmation from Mims himself. If you looked at his likes on Twitter in that, you know, he'd like tweets about, you know, him coming back to Georgia, had liked some news reports about him coming back to Georgia that Mims himself seemed to be signifying that that is indeed the case on all of this. Which kind of leaves you wondering, wow, you know, what does this mean for Georgia here? And I think the uh, overall bottom line takeaway for me is it means nothing but good things, both in terms of the fact that Mims is a very good player. And it's important to note this at no point in time over the course of the last, you know, 10 days, two weeks, whatever else, when Mims was a player on this team and yet not viewed as a starter or when Mims put his name in the transfer portal and likely, you know, moving on, there was no sour grapes about that seemingly from from you know any serious person closely connected to UGA. Nobody's ever really said at any point in time that Mims, you know, wasn't a big time player, didn't have the chance to fulfill every bit of the potential that was thought to be existing for him there at the University of Georgia. There was really no moment in which that wasn't, um, you know, that wasn't, you know, a, a, a big part of the conversation here that, that Mims was just, as you often do on a national championship type program, that Mims was just having to wait a little bit for that moment. He was having to be a little bit patient as, as Georgia developed him to the level that it wanted to develop him. We talked last week about what the Kirby doctrine is. You remember me saying this. That the Kirby doctrine, the thing that kind of makes Kirby, I think, a little bit different than some coaches, the thing that probably explains the national championship for Georgia as well as anything is the idea we're going to take talented players here at Georgia. If Kirby Smart was saying this is what he would say, we're going to take talented players here. We're going to make talented players tougher. We're going to develop talented players so they get better. We're not going to, once again, if this was Kirby Smart speaking, we're not going to, you know, bring a talented player and say, you're already a finished product. We're going to treat, you know, elite recruits five-star recruits not as if they are finished products but as the as if they are works in progress and and georgia would say we are going to work them to be even better versions of themselves and marius mims apparently according to what's out there right now feels pretty comfortable with that the idea that he could come out on the other side the best version of himself at a place like the university of georgia and that georgia who you know has had some questions about what its offensive line depth would be well apparently a lot of that depth still includes at least according to the reports that are out there and obviously a story like this that it's taken twists and turns you know i guess you're always kind of on guard for more future twists and turns there as well but as we kind of understand this right now Looks like Mims is on his way back, and I would say that is very good news for George. And I'll make one more point on this, and then we'll step away and do something else for a moment and then come back and talk more about this uh, you know, a little bit later on. The other thing about this that I think is really good is not just what it means for Georgia, but you know, kind of what it means for college football in general. Because you know, there's a level of hysteria that kind of gets uh, baked into the discussion right now of, oh my gosh, things have changed so much, and oh my gosh, you know, these – you know, 
prima donna players you know they want everything handed to them whatever else and the sports change so much and boy it's just unrecognizable i know even you know kirby smart's expressed some concerns about that and you know, at some point in time we'll probably get into what some of what smart has said about that as of late um but when you see one of these things that like the mem story that looked like it had the potential of going one place and kind of settles back down and turns into something that actually seems uh, a lot more sensible because trust me well before there was nil and well before there was free one-time transfer and well before the transfer portal was this ubiquitous phrase that we used over and over again there have always been disgruntled players like that was true five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago 50 years ago as long as there's been college football there's been disgruntled players as long as programs have been bringing in talented players there have been players who thought they were worthy of starting the moment they stepped on campus this actually doesn't feel like this you know brand new era for college football as much as it feels like the kind of thing that's been going on for quite some time where sometimes you know players have their own agenda a program has a slightly different agenda and you know for a while you sort of wonder can these two things coexist and eventually they do and so when it's all said and done the mims thing here kind of ends up feeling a lot more like college football as it has been more so than this brand new era that not everybody's sure they're on board with so that's kind of that on mims i think this is huge news i think it's good news uh and we will talk more about this with john stinchcomb coming up including well what about the rest of the georgia offensive line from gd because what's interesting is the mims departure as brief as it seemingly was and i guess we'll wait and you know we'll see you know how this comes to an end but Put an extra spotlight for a moment on Ernest Green, who you know was a big-time signee for the class of 2022, kind of one of those late ads that 2022 class. And I think people rightly said, oh, with, with Mims maybe seemingly on his way out the door, the value of Mims, uh, you know, or I should say the value of Green becomes even more heightened. And so there were a lot of eyeballs on Green on Saturday because Mims was kind of supposed to be that guy that wasn't there anymore. So what did John make of getting a chance to see an offensive line on Saturday, a couple of different units that did not include Amarius Mims and kind of how all that count comes together. We'll do more of that with John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a little bit. Let me slightly shift gears, though, before we get there and kind of just talk about something else here for a moment. I thought that G-Day for Georgia on Saturday really checked off a lot of boxes to me. And I said this on our postgame show on Saturday. To me, it was really entertaining. To me, it was really fun. And, you know, just just generally speaking, this was, I thought, a just a really great time all the way around. And there was one thing in particular that I thought was almost kind of like an old school throwback type thing that, that I thought was was it was almost like spring football games kind of the way they used to be so after a lot of mims news on the top i want to kind of move on talk about that for a moment but first let's take some time to introduce the show and i am brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans we are presented today by pella window and door of georgia we're glad to have you glad to have you no matter how you get to us uh live on video 9 45 we start with our first and 15 there at dognation.com and on the dog nation app 10 a.m after that on facebook youtube twitter and twitch we're on the radio at noon on athens sports radio 96 the ref and we are as a podcast wherever you find them the apple player spotify worldfamousdognation.com we post the show there on the google player there as well a lot of different ways for you to get in touch with what we're doing here and we're just glad to have you on board with us as we do that and a big thanks to our friends at pella window and door of georgia for making it all possible there as well and of course you know pella window and door they equip your house with energy efficient windows 
windows and doors. They also look great on the outside. And listen, you know, we got a lot of homeowners that listen to us and watch us. And like the one thing that you hear when you talk to a lot of homeowners around the Atlanta area, the state of Georgia is that Pella is truly a recognized brand for them. When you think about quality and listen, that's what everybody wants for their home, right? When you're making a decision to upgrade your windows and doors, you want high quality there on that. And listen, there've been surveys, you know, go back 2020, there've been obviously big time surveys of homeowners all across our great state here in the Atlanta area. And the one thing that shows up over and over again is that the folks who care about their home certainly take a lot of uh, pride in knowing they've got those Pella window and doors to make their house look better on the outside, to keep the energy where it's supposed to be on the inside, making them feel good on the inside there as well. And of course, you can also take advantage of that great savings too. Between now and April 22nd, you can get 50% off quality qualifying installations or payments as low as just $99 a month. That is great savings from our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You can also check them out online. Very easy to get to. How about PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation? That is the website. PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation. Or you can give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. And you can also stop by the brand new Experience Center in Duluth. And for me, I kind of like putting my hands on things. You know, if I'm going to buy, you know, good new windows and doors i want to feel the quality with my hands and that's what the uh, brand new experience center in duluth gives you a chance to do you don't have to need an appointment or anything you just stop by and see them monday through friday from nine to five or saturday from ten to four so if you want to see what all the fuss is about when it comes to pella window and doors why they are truly viewed to be the best well you can stop by that brand new experience center in duluth and find out for yourself all right it will be john stinchcomb here coming up in a couple of moments let me take a uh, moment to go around the doghouse here on that and I told you a moment ago that there was an element for me of G-Day on Saturday. It was kind of the old school throwback thing for a moment. What I mean is this, is that it seems like there was a time years ago where I think Georgia fans were hopeful that a spring game might be kind of a a nice springboard, no pun intended, for recruiting. Oh, you're going to get some recruits on campus. Can you impress them with G-Day? Hey, can you have this like big recruiting storyline? It's almost like Georgia has been so ruthlessly effective in recruiting in recent years, including today we find out maybe even re-recruiting a five-star that seemed like he was leaving the program, recruiting him to come back now, that Georgia has been so ruthlessly effective with all of this that the natural joy that we used to get from the traditional means of impressing recruits, it almost seems like there's just less of that than there used to be. So if Jordan, now we've also had a pandemic, so spring games haven't quite been what they once were the last couple of years. But, you know, this notion that, hey, if a spring game came and went, there was no big commitment that came out of that, ah, no big deal. Uh, eventually, the elite recruiting class is going to kind of fall into place. There's a level of recruiting success that Georgia has just made so, you know, ever present that it's almost like georgia fans themselves have kind of become a little bit uh i guess expectant you know they just expect big recruiting wins to come so if it comes on g-day great if it comes in you know november or early december whenever that the eventually the great recruit's going to be there but this past weekend and i thought it was just a really good show the game itself was entertaining obviously the national championship rings being given out that was so much fun and the level of talent on display from both teams and both sides of the ball was so great. I just thought it was a great commercial for Georgia football on Saturday. I think it's really cool to see the way in which 
recruits have kind of responded to that. So let me begin here with Gabe Harris. Obviously, that's the commit that Georgia gets. And by the way, shout out to Gabe for the Easter uh, Sunday commitment there on that. Uh, but uh, uh, but Jeff Sintel reporting that, that the Bulldogs just picked up a big 2023 commitment and the four-star Valdosta Edge, Gabe Harris. Jeff's actually had some good stuff on social media as it pertains to uh, Harris now going back a little bit. It's a very impressive player. You're talking about a top 100 player in the country, top 10 edge rusher in the country there as well. And that's you go back and look at the uh, formula for what Georgia had done with its national championship season a year ago. A commitment to the pass rush had been such an important part of all of that. And obviously a guy like Harris on the heels of G-Day, it just kind of feels like recruiting the way that it used to be to be able to do that. That's that's just kind of fun to see recruits responding to what was a great day for Georgia. And then not only that, we talked about this a little bit on uh, Saturday. I don't know if we have this to show or not. I know we showed this in the postgame show on Saturday. But Justin Rett, who was a um, Saturday, a Notre Dame commitment, pretty impressive four-star defensive back, he was on hand for the spring game. There had been a lot of photos of him, uh, of him on social media enjoying himself there in Athens. And while he's there at UGA, he you know decommits from Notre Dame. And listen, we don't quite know you know what that leads to. Does that mean? Yeah, there you go. Uh, on three, it kind of reported this. They actually had a couple quotes from Rett about wanting to open things back up. But he decommitted from Notre Dame while he was there at Georgia and and it almost just kind of seems like all of this the way it used to be that, you know, kind of in that back, that sort of quaint era before Georgia fans always knew they were going to have, you know, elite number one, number two, number three type recruiting class in the country back when you were hoping to use a spring game for a spring board. Well, on Saturday, that seems to have been the case. Impressing Rhett enough that he decommits, impressing Harris enough that, as Jeff reported on Sunday, he, you know, he makes the commitment. Uh, it was just kind of fun to see recruits responding in that way, the same way that uh, fans seem to respond there, too. Uh, Georgia, to me, very much looked the part of a defending national champion on Saturday with the 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 pageantry kind of you know outside the white lines with the rings being given out, which you saw on the field. Plenty of talent coming back from UGA, and of course, over the course of the next couple of days, we will continue to break down exactly what we saw. But for now, uh, Amarius Mims is on his way back to Georgia. It appears, according to reports that are out there, Mike Griffith's got more of that for you up at dognation.com rivals and 24 seven of course had been reporting that that uh, Mims looks like he's coming back here uh what does that mean for the current state of college football maybe for Mims himself and what about the offensive line without Amarius Mims how did all that look on Saturday we will cover the uh bases on that we'll also before we're done in today's show look at a few of these other spring games big crowded South Carolina uh, a little bit of a new look for Alabama with some transfer players on display there and a bunch of other fun stuff uh, kind of ongoing there so we'll cover all that ground it is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans we're presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia and we'll go ahead and speak to uh, John Stinchcomb right now and we'll get uh, John here coming up in uh, just a moment we'll get ready to rock and roll with him and Hopefully, John had a great Easter with his family and enjoying himself. And I know he'll be uh, quite interested in reacting to some of the big news that's out there related to some of this right now. So we'll see if we can cover all of those bases and get ready to have some fun with uh, all of that. John getting squared away right now. And obviously, we'll take a lot of your comments. And, you know, and listen, when we do comments and things like that later on. We can get more into some of the other stuff from G-Day. And, of course, some of the stuff we had planned on doing today, we're just not going to be able to do because at one point in time, we kind of plan on spending a couple of minutes on the Mims thing because they had been rumored and now it seems like it's a little bit more than that so we kind of expanded that out a little bit and so some of the stuff related to Gilbert and some of the other stuff we'll probably get into that more as we kind of roll through the week but for now on the offensive line the 
potential return here of MIMS, what that means for all involved. Let's talk to John Stinchcomb about that. Right now, it's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So hello to John Cinchcomb here right now. No doubt enjoying a great Easter weekend with his family. No doubt enjoying G-Day as well. We'll talk to John about some of what he saw there from that. Uh, but, John, first of all, good morning, and let's get a reaction from you, if you don't mind, to, I guess, news that's out there right now. Reportedly, I guess 24-7 Sports has reported this. Uh, rivals have mentioned the possibility that this was true. Uh, others, I guess, have kind of done some of the same kind of stuff here. I mean, at this point in time, a lot of folks seem to be saying something close to the same thing. That former five-star Marius Mims, who at one point in time last week looked like he was leaving Georgia and very likely headed towards Florida State, now appears that he's coming back to Georgia here uh, what do you make of this news, John? Well, good morning. Hope you had a great Easter. I did. You certainly did. And uh, this is <laughs> it's it's a great way to start your week off in hearing that you know one of the brightest stars on campus in in Athens might be staying in Athens. I, you know, we just talked about it last week, um, and Amarius Mims and Clay Webb being two offensive linemen that might be walking out of the door. Much different situations, right? Marius is is a young up and comer that you just think it's it's only a matter of time. Doesn't really matter uh, where it's going to be. He's going to be one of those guys that is going to be a cornerstone for a program uh, in the future. And the discussion was based on whether or not that opportunity would be right now somewhere else or uh, either at a different position, kind of Evan Neal esque for Georgia for a year and possibly sliding out after that. Um, but to hear that there's there's a likelihood at this point of him staying in Athens is great news for all Bulldogs. Um, based on the G-Day performance, you know, there's going to be a, a number of new faces, and obviously there wasn't full availability with Warren Erickson and Tate Ratledge not particip- participating on in Saturday's scrimmage. But uh, anytime you get a chance to retain – Someone with the the athletic ability and the frame and the, the makeup, both physically and mentally, that we've seen him possess and the limited exposure he's had as a bulldog. You got to be excited to um, keep him in house, and I think it's a it's it, it's great commentary for the process and where college football is at, and also for the coaching staff and the culture where you know a guy who enters into the transfer portal, it's not a foregone conclusion that he's out the door. I I think of Robert Beale Jr. a few years back, his name was in the transfer portal, and he's become one of those pieces that um, Georgia has relied upon and certainly will going into this season. One of the things I said a moment ago is is that what at one point in time seemed like the – embodiment of a truly modern story of you know guy utilizing the transfer portal maybe taking advantage of an nil opportunity actually ends up feeling like the same kind of college football story that's been going on now for decades if not you know a century of you know talented player steps onto a roster maybe a little disgruntled with what his role was thinking the grass might be greener somewhere else and eventually being convinced that no sticking it out at the place you currently are and emerging as i think a lot of folks around georgia think of think that mims eventually will do if if he uh sticks around there this actually is what's been kind of going on now for quite some time that you know 
uh, maybe a lot of players think, oh, if I'd just gone to so-and-so school, I'd have the uh, whole world at my fingertips right now, only to find out maybe that's not quite so true. And if anything, what we now have the case to do in 2022 is to actually go kick the tires on that. You go to Tallahassee for a while, and this is just my speculation, but you go to Tallahassee for a while and you realize, oh boy, this program's a long way away from, uh, from what the uh, Georgia program is right now. Do I really want to trust my development to a program like this that's still in its infancy compared to how how well developed the Georgia program as is at this point. I'm I'm certain that's part of the process. I, I also, you know, it's speculatory at this point. But does NIL factor in? I mean, yeah. you put your name in the transfer portal, and it's not just uh, what might be possible on another campus, but are there uh, sponsors that uh, might be interested in, in retaining your services to to be a bulldog? And you know, do I have any? concrete of course not 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 even the slightest it is purely speculation on my part and i'm not even saying that um that has occurred but in today's game that certainly uh, is part of the conversation and and we are all aware that it is a recruiting factor for high school players coming out whether they whether college football wants to admit it or not and i'm sure that's a part of the decision-making process for uh, a number of, of transfer portal participants. I'm not saying this is a Marius Mims. Hear me say that I have no proof nor any, any real tangible reason to think that it is with his particular case, but it's part of the, it's part of the equation now. And, um, you know, people do want to be uh, a part of a winner and culture, identity, uh, potential development, I think we saw across the D-line, there is synergy that's created when you're able to play next to equally capable high-end performers. And Georgia certainly has that and, and um, you know, has a national championship under their belt now. Hallelujah. How about it? Yeah. Um, whereas other programs aren't, aren't quite to that level. And when you're looking at uh, trying to make football your profession – uh, the old adage of iron sharpens iron is true. I can attest that uh, who you practice against is a big factor as to how you'll develop and how you progress as a player. And, and you want to be able to compete and push yourself on a day-in, day-out basis. And, and Georgia can certainly claim uh, what many other teams across the country cannot in that uh, your your best will be expected and, and only improve because of the caliber of talent that you'll be competing in, against in practice on a daily basis. So let me ask you this. You know, Mims was not there on Saturday, which put more spotlight on the guys who were, including you know, a guy like uh, Ernest Green there as a young up-and-coming offensive lineman. I mean, it seems like, and you can tell me how he played on Saturday. I'm not quite in a position to make that evaluation, but – Boy, it seems like he's a big part of Georgia's plans here. And, you know, beyond that, what did you think of the offensive line performance you saw from both teams on Saturday? Yeah, well, it was some new faces, uh, interior especially. I was watching Xavier Truss and Willock at the, at the guard spots and uh, as they're running with the ones and, and really trying to evaluate the D-line at the same time because there's plenty of holes to fill on that side. And, uh, I'll, I'll say this as a offensive lineman uh, died in the wool and, and will always be in those type settings. It, it's a challenge because the defense, they know 
uh, how you run plays and, and what you've been working on all camp long. And they also know your weaknesses better than anyone, uh, any opponent will that you'll face during the season. So I, I think there's a, almost a, a tactical advantage, if you will, for a defender um, in, in those type settings. And, I, you know, if I were given a, a fair, equal assessment, I, I was more impressed with where the defensive line was. Uh, you know, obviously Jalen Carter is a problem, and he will be the focal point uh, across that defensive front. But Zion Logue, uh, Naz Stackhouse, um, there, was, there was a number of other guys that flashed, and you said Warren Brinson, uh, that you said, man, that it, it may not be to the level of Trevon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, and Jordan Davis, but there are some guys that are playing at a high level across this defensive front that are chomping at the bit to, to make a name for themselves. And uh, with, the, with the revolving um, situation at offense, getting a new offensive line coach in, the not having the availability of, of Ratledge and Erickson, and then trying to build chemistry with uh, Truss and Willick and, and some of the younger guys, especially those that are uh, <laughs> probably still having their minds set on, on, on prom and yeah. have transitioned to being and playing at a, uh, a school that just won a national championship. There's some growth in the works there and offensive line there. There's plenty of potential. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Ernest green and he had his moments where you go, man, this guy's going to be a player, but um, with offensive line, we're defined by consistency. And, you know, a, a defensive end can have a great day if he has two sacks. Two sacks is two plays. And for an offensive lineman out of 65, uh, you give up two sacks and, and they'll be writing articles about how you need to improve as a player and you're not quite there yet. So for these young players, it's that consistency piece um, that's always a work in progress and something that you work towards because you have to be play in, play out dependable. And, you know, there were, there were some spots where you go, man, that, that looks really good. And then some others where you go, okay, well, that's, that's room for improvement. I think it's really interesting. Something else that seemed to kind of come out of the game for me, once again, like I'm real slow about making like, you know, talent evaluations and things like that. I don't pretend to be a coach or a scout or anything like that, but you know, what you saw on Saturday seems to kind of back up a little bit of what's uh, been chatted about a lot this spring, that while Tate Ratledge is injured, and Ratledge is a guy that I really believe in. I mean, I think that last year he was on his way to being a very good player for Georgia, but in his absence, Devin Willick is really emerging. And, John, how many times we have this story at Georgia where on a program filled with, like, former four- and five-star recruits that sometimes there's another guy out there who doesn't have anywhere near the recruiting profile who's just good. And I don't know if it's one of those things where, you know, Kirby and them are just better developers of talent or they're just better evaluators of talent, whatever else. But, you know, you know, while a guy like Ratledge is working to get back to full health here – it certainly does not, you know, seem like Willick is looking forward to relinquishing that starting guard mm-hmm. spot anytime soon. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I, I, I like the way Willick played. I, I mean, he's a physical, nasty guy. That uh, you know, he. I I think back to Kali, a couple of the guards that we've had in recent times, Solomon Kinley, primarily, who didn't come in as your five star. Everybody's focused on him as a player, but yet you you put him out on the field and. He's a grinder and, and gets after it and plays with that tenacity of a guy that may not have the physical attributes or the measurements that your top-end five-star 
players do. Hamarius Mims falls under that category, right? 6'7", 320, passes the eye test as soon as he steps off the bus. But yet some of these guards, um, you know, for whatever reason, might not run the 40 sub 4'8", but you put them on a football field and they're ballers. And, you know, Willick has certainly – uh, I saw in that G-Day game a few times where you go, man, I, I like the way he's coming off the ball. I like the position he's in. I like his fight um, throughout a play. So that's what you're looking for in these spring practices and these spring games is guys that are wanting to compete, guys that are um, giving it their, their best, and their best is uh, eye-catching. And, and Willick, uh, for a number of plays, you saw um, – his ability to, to get in the middle and, and create some space in the run game and also hold up and pass protection. So, you know, it, it's going to be a battle, and that's what you want. I think when Georgia looks at that offensive line room, there's a lot of depth, a lot of young players that, uh, especially on the interior, that have some opportunity that, uh, you know, are, are still going to have to press and compete. And when training camp comes around, I don't think there's – one name that you can write in stone, especially on in that interior for those guard spots, um, it's going to be a good, healthy battle for who, who comes out on top, which is, I think, to Georgia's advantage. Yeah, I think that's interesting. A um, couple of other things here. You know, one of the things I'd planned on talking a lot more about today and probably would have, or was definitely would have if not for the uh, MIMS news, that's the performance of Eric Gilbert, who's a great story just for coming back to football but, John, this is a playmaking factor on this team this year. This is one of those things where it's like, for some of us, we've been hearing about Eric Gilbert for years. I mean, I know on this show I've been hyping him since, you know, since he was in high school. And I think that there is a certain level of, like, maybe somewhat casual Georgia fan who's like, you know, th- these guys just love talking about this player who's never going to materialize here. It's happening. And, you know, at one point in time, even coming back from football, you know, there had been some thought of uh, maybe there's some extra weight, things like that. I'm not even quite so sure how, you know, how much of an issue that is even more is anymore. This just looks like a very potent weapon for the for the Georgia offense. And I thought the G day was a huge demonstration of that. He, he didn't look out of shape to me. Nope. I mean, the, the number of plays that he made, his ball skills look uh, pretty sharp. I mean, he was catching some tight window throws that, you know, it was contested balls that, that he'd come away with, which, you know, not surprising when you turn on the film from his days at LSU and even his highlight reel in high school. I mean, the guy has been a playmaker. And, you know, watching the broadcast and they're talking about, you know, jokingly possibly running 14 personnel, one running back and four tight ends. Uh, Oscar Delp was another guy that made a couple plays and, and looks good on the hoof. I mean, he's just running around. You think that's a big old nice target. So uh, you combine that with Bowers and, and Darnell, and you think, man, there might be something to that. You talk, talk about matchup nightmares. What do you do when you deploy all those weapons? Um, what kind of personnel defensively would you match up there? So I'm impressed. Uh, there's been years past where you questioned, do we have the um, receiving talent, not only at the wide receiver position, but also tight end uh, to cause problems? And I think that's very much the case now. I, it's a it's a embarrassment of riches. You saw a number of guys. I like the um, Arian Smith and, and his ability to not only stretch the field, but 
he was made a couple catches across the middle. Obviously, he had that, that bigger, what was it, 60-yard catch in the first half. So there's a number of guys where you go, man, um, there's there's some firepower for our quarterbacks to, to get the ball down the field to. And, and you combine that with a, a couple running backs that can catch out of the backfield. And um, the offensive weaponry that Georgia has this year, uh, I think, speaks to – the, the high-end opportunity that, you know, as you're evaluating what's this 22 team, how does it compare to the 2021 version of Georgia, as dominant as it's been defensively this past season, I think there's going to be a little bit of a shift where uh, you can't expect the defense to be as dominant as they were this past season, but I think it would be realistic to expect our offense to be much more potent yeah. than what it was this past season. John, great stuff. Thank you for being here today to help us kind of break down uh, everything from G-Day. I'm sure the next time we talk, we'll probably have even more of this to discuss because some of this just takes a while to unpack, especially with everything else happening around the program right now. So appreciate you being here to allow us to do that, and we will look forward to getting a chance to talk about all of it with you here coming up very soon as well. Look forward to it, B.A. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So, follow John Stinchcomb, and I said before, you know, I want to do a lot more on Gilbert in the days to come. I want to do a lot more on some of the other pass-catching targets that we saw on Saturday. We really, really saw a lot of guys touch the football. But Jamon Dumas Johnson had a very impressive game, really kind of echoing what we had heard about him during the spring um, I thought there were a couple of cool moments from Nolan Smith in the game. I think there's a lot to discuss from Gita. Anytime you got like Georgia guys on both sides, I think it takes a while to kind of get out everything that took place there. And obviously, it's our last taste of this team in front of TV cameras and in front of tens of thousands of fans in Sanford Stadium until they get ready to go back and do it again this fall, the season opener there against Oregon. So it'll take us a little while to unpack all of this. Eventually, we will get there. Uh, breach of protocol for me here for a little bit. Can I hold off on telling folks about the cool stuff happening at Royal Caribbean right now? Because I want to make sure that you are aware of something that we're getting back going again here this year. With Mother's Day coming up, we want to celebrate the great moms in our audience. We're going to do this with our friends at Kroger. And so that kind of gets going here right now. And so I want to make sure that you're aware of this as we get ready to do our SEC 3 in a moment. Let me just kind of remind you about some really cool things happening with our friends in Kroger. And by the way, it's a great time to be doing this because obviously we're still basking the glow of Georgia celebrating its national championship. How much fun was it to see those players putting those rings on on Saturday? And that was so much fun to be able to see those players who were leaving the program. They got theirs on Saturday. Well, in honor of the championship season that we're still all enjoying here, we're going to honor championship moms going into a Mother's Day here. So if you've got a mom in your life, whether it's your own mother or your wife who's a great mother, or now you've got a, a daughter who's become a mother, whatever you know, mother you have in your life that you see out there doing some kind of championship stuff as a mom, this is a great way to celebrate her uh, right now. And if you tell us about her, she could win a prize pack worth $350 because we're going to partner with Kroger through all of this. It's a great collection of gift cards here, which includes uh, to Bath and Body Works, uh, Home Chef, and Kroger there as well. Also, our friends at Sequest and Stonecrest are including four annual passports uh, for each uh, of our winners. That's a really cool 
uh, destination right now to go out and enjoy and, and have a really good time. And uh, that's a cool add on to all of this kind of something we haven't really done before. And it's also really simple to enter here. All you got to do, and you've heard us use this email before, just send your email to info at dognation.com and tell us when the mom in your life, whether it be yours or one that you know, is a championship mom. You can also go top of the page there at dognation.com and just click into the link there and you'll get full details on all of this. Now, I want you to do this right now because it's actually going to come and go before you know it. Uh, this all ends on Friday, April 29th. So you've got until then to submit your entry. So get going on this. We're going to choose five entries at random, and those will be our championship moms will also be announcing those uh, as we head towards mother's day right here on our program so bottom line championship mom in your life tell us why email info at dognation.com get it done between now and april 29th and then after that we'll be announcing our winners and reading their stories right here on dog nation daily cannot wait to do all of that with you all right now we'll go cruise around the sec with royal caribbean and we'll tell you more about royal caribbean coming up in a moment let me give you some sec news just for now though a lot of other spring games there on saturday i'll start with the arch nemesis of the dogs alabama obviously transfer players a big part of what was on hand for the crimson tide on saturday we've heard a lot of good things about uh, jameer gibbs the former georgia tech running back he had the big run in the game against the crimson tide for the crimson tide on saturday there at 8a for them jermaine burton did some things there as well uh, saban said some nice things about jermaine when it was all said and done but probably the biggest highlight of the alabama a-day game was the big run from jameer gibbs and i've told you this before you know and listen you know bama had you know good single season total for like nashi harris back in 2020 and you know you know decent numbers for brian roberts in this past year but in terms of being a great rushing team that's not really been what alabama has been you'll go back to, to a year ago they're just 10th in the sec and rushing yards per game and rushing yards per carry this has not been a great rushing team and you wonder what the guy the presence of a guy like gibbs does to change all of that I thought it was success along the line of scrimmage that really enabled Georgia to pull away from Alabama and win the national championship game a year ago. In fact, guys who played in that game have talked about their own confidence, what they were going to be able to do running the football behind the offensive line, behind what Georgia had there at the line of scrimmage as being a differentiator there. And you wonder, you know, does does the presence of Gibbs for Alabama help change some of that identity, get, kind of getting Alabama back to, to what it somewhat used to be? On the South Carolina side of things, I don't know how well it's going to be reflected by the win-loss total this year because I do think South Carolina plays a, 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 a tough schedule. They do typically every year. But I do think that Shane Beamer deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing with the Gamecocks. He is resurrecting a certain sense of pride that that fan base wants to have in their program. I mean, I don't like saying good things about you know Georgia rivals, and to a degree I guess South Carolina kind of is. But I do think that South Carolina fans are really good at showing up and showing support for their team, despite the fact they're just not very good very frequently. You know, Williams-Brice Stadium, I think those of you who travel around a lot would say it's one of the louder stadiums in the SEC. And yeah, you may get annoyed by the rooster crowing thing or the fact they play Sandstorm all the time and, you know, certain things like that. But they do support their team. And so Beamer was probably smart to kind of lean into um getting a lot of them to show up on saturday as a way of kind of rallying around him as he goes into year two and i don't know what the announced attendance was but they had you know very nice crowd there i think they're going to probably end up being you know pretty close to you know the tops in the sec for uh spring and they had more than the alabama crowd had uh there on saturday and i just think that beamer right now is functioning very well as a salesman for the south carolina program i, I do think he authentically likes that state you know i 
talked to him a couple times. I mean, he loves that area around the Charleston area and things like that. And, you know, he obviously enjoyed working uh, previously at South Carolina. This is a guy that, you know, you never really heard him flirting with going anywhere this past year, including back to where his dad, you know, made the program famous at Virginia Tech. Beamer's name never really showed up there at all. He seems to be kind of all in for South Carolina. And I don't mind telling you, I think a lot of folks wanted the same thing of a guy coming over to be South Carolina coach with really no head coaching experience whatsoever. You know, what was Beamer going to bring to the table and how was he going to define himself? Well, I think that he's I think he's kind of defining himself as a head coach pretty effectively here. Uh, I saw the numbers for Spencer Rattler on Saturday. I really didn't see any of the game. I saw the numbers for Spencer Rattler, and I thought they were pretty good, I guess. I don't really read too much into these, you know, stats from spring games anyway for quarterback or any other position. But I thought that, you know, Rattler, you know, it certainly sounds like his comfort with the Gamecocks offense right now is pretty high. He had some very volatile quotes at the end of the uh, game talking about getting away from what he described as a toxic environment in Oklahoma. You know, Spencer's got to be a little bit careful here because he's been a little bit of a lightning rod for drama. You know, as a quarterback, going back to even before he signed at Oklahoma, this was a guy that got a lot of attention on the recruiting trail. You know, was like the Netflix show and stuff like that. So he's got to be careful with some of that. But uh, but I think that he has a chance to have a very a very big year. And I think ultimately, South Carolina is at least a tough out for uh, anybody they're playing, maybe including Georgia uh, in the month of September. And we'll find out if they can be more than that. But I do think the pairing of Beamer working with rattler could be pretty fun could be pretty interesting and so it seemed like that was kind of on full display there on saturday one more thing real quickly the uh florida spring game is thursday and we talked about that on, on friday a little bit but i guess some of the aftermath was that you know one of those like turnover chain things i guess miami probably made the turnover chain famous georgia's got its spiked shoulder pads but I, I guess the turnover chain came out for the spring game and uh Billy Napier wasn't too happy with that. He said that had not been cleared with him and that will not be happening during the games here this season. So kind of a little bit of a weird level of drama from Florida about that. There was also the weird thing related to Anthony Richardson, who does emerge from Florida as the uh, the starting quarterback here. I don't think there's any question about that. That was very well cemented based on what happened on Thursday, what was said about that. But he also, I guess, got a speeding ticket a couple of weeks ago there as well, 100 and something miles an hour, which he needs to be careful about. But I don't, you know, put a whole lot of, you know, I'm not too scandalized by a speeding ticket, but nonetheless, that had kind of gotten some attention there as well. We'll make that cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By the way, remind you that we are a week away. One week from right now, we are on board Independence of the Seas, man. I cannot wait. You know, post G-Day, we knew it would be a great time to get together with dog fans, and now we're going to get ready to do that. Uh, and if you can't be on board with us, just live vicariously through us on this right now and then make your own plans to be on board your own Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I was talking to a Georgia fan at uh, G-Day over the weekend uh, about, you know, fun cruises they'd been on recently and we get a chance to do ours now so i can't wait and you know if you're uh, gonna be on board with us trust me when i tell you we're gonna be having a whole bunch of fun we'll be telling you all about that and i was talking to our buddy bj sweeney kind of one of our operations type guys behind the scenes here he's got some fun things to give away we're gonna do that related to some special events that we're doing it's just gonna be a, a great time but even if it's not a you know cruise with dog nation like we're taking next week on board independence of the seas you know you gotta have your your own cruise here coming up pretty soon too because this upcoming summer is a great time to be back on the seas with royal caribbean again like the itinerary we're on i think it's almost perfect it's a four-night cruise we're going to nassau on the bahamas we're going to perfect day coco Cay, which is a private island right there in the bahamas 
you know, you can actually search for like just Royal Caribbean cruise uh, itineraries that include Perfect Day Coco Cay. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, go out of your way to try to get to Perfect Day Coco Cay if you can, because it's just amazing. It's a private island exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. There's the Thrill Side, which has the tallest water slide in North America. There's the Chill Side, which has the Chill Side, which has like the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. This thing is huge, it's gigantic. Everybody's hanging out. They have like the swim up bar there on that, which is. It's just all really fun. I'm, I'm really, really excited about being out and about with some of my colleagues from Dog Nation, but obviously so many of you who are going to be sailing with us there as well. So you hear me talk more about it, but hopefully it gets you energized to take your own cruise here coming up. So our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority are going to help you do uh, all of that. So check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority and do with them what we're about to do, which is get on board, have a great time on the cruise. We'll still have Dog Nation Daily next week, too. It'll be a little bit slightly different form just because we're going to be on the high seas, but it is going to be a lot of fun. So excited about all of that. Something else I'm very excited about, you know, the Braves have a very interesting week coming up right now because they are in Los Angeles. And there's obviously going to be a lot of aftermath of, you know, kind of what goes down with, uh, with uh, Freddie Freeman, what gets said about all of that. Uh, but after that, the Braves are coming back home for another really cool homestand. We told, we showed you we were with uh, the Braves at Tourist Park the other day. They've got the uh, Greg Maddox bobblehead dog giveaway coming up there as well. And uh, a fun homestand coming up with the, both the Marlins and the Cubs. Always a lot of uh, fireworks when the Braves and Marlins get together. Those are two organizations that don't seem to like each other very much. And, of course, the Cubs always bring a lot of energy with them there as well. A lot of Cubs fans here in the Atlanta area. So you always want to make sure you show up and support the Braves when the Cubs are coming to town because you know there will be you know, a decent number of Cubs fans there as well. Friday night fireworks are back. That's always a, a lot of fun. And, of course, Alumni Sunday too. A great chance to celebrate some of the great former Braves there too. So great time to be there. I, you know, My son and I went to the game the other day. Don't tell his teacher. We did sneak away from school to do that. It's really fun. Uh, great to be celebrating the world champs and having a great time there at the Battery and Truist Park. So uh, as the Braves get ready to return back home for a fun homestand. You get ready to enjoy that with them. Braves.com. You can go there to get your tickets. That is Braves.com for a whole lot more on that. All right, so here's what we'll do. Uh, We'll give away a couple of golden shoes here today, and uh, we'll get ready to come back and do all of this again tomorrow with a lot more reaction from what goes down on G-Day. Of course, the big news here today reportedly Amarius Mims about face from him returning back to Georgia so that's exciting to uh, think about and see how about a couple of golden shoes to give away first one on the screen here so much fun to see Georgia over the weekend honoring themselves as national champions Jason Stewart sent this me on Twitter how about this work of art of this tattoo it's the Keeley Ringo interception like I'm not really a tattoo guy I'd probably never get one but when you see this level of artwork Kirby jumping Ringo getting the catch just how detailed this is I mean, that is, I love the red shadow box for the champs. Like, this is really impressive work. A great tattoo for Jason. Congratulations to you. Golden shoe winner there on that. And thanks for sharing that with me. Also, uh, our buddy Mike D., who's a great commenter here, had a chance to catch up with him this weekend and uh, showed some of the footage of us there with the Players Lounge. Boy, how much fun was that, by the way, on Saturday with them? You see me there interviewing Champ Bailey. That was great. Uh, Also, Aaron Murray and Keith Marshall and so many of the great former Georgia Letterman who were on hand with the Players Lounge there at the Creature Comforts Tap Room. It was a great weekend to be in Athens. Georgia football at its best with G-Day. Hope you enjoyed it there as well. Let me tell you who was not having so much fun, though. That was those lousy, stinking gators because it's now been 4-8-4-8, 48 
148 days since they've won a national championship. Tough to be a Gator. And more bad news coming from them because 194 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on them again. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. Y'all have a great day. We will see you tomorrow here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take some of your comments here, both on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily and in the comment section at dognation.com. A lot of folks weighing in on the news of Marius Mims returning to Georgia. I'll go to UGA Dad 20, who says it's great news. I've had this feeling for a while. I have to think about Mims to Florida State or Miami or wherever. It just makes way more sense for Mims to come back. The devil that you know, UGA is really the best situation for Mims. Welcome back. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's almost as if the best selling point for Georgia is taking a visit to a place like Florida State <laughs> because after spending a couple of days there, it seems like that's all Mims really needed to know. Uh, and I'm half kidding when I say that. But uh, Big Healy writes in. This is all from the comment section from the from the Mims story when it got posted earlier. It says it's great news to lose him. I thought would have been awful. I just uh, could see him turn out to play great against us down the road. Well, I mean, I th- certainly think anytime you have a player of the talent caliber that Mims is, you want to try to find a way to keep him in your program. And it seems like that is now what Georgia has done. Candler Park weighs in to say, of course, we're all biased on this site, but I'm betting that I speak for most of us in saying that this young man is making the best decision for himself. Two more years in the Georgia offensive line will build lasting friendships, make him a better player, and put him in a better position for a possible NFL career. I believe that is probably true, that if you're thinking about ooh, short-term gains like such as the NIL, you know the beg- the better, bigger, long-term gain of NFL and what you can do to set yourself up for a, for a future pro career is so much more important and a place like Georgia, I just think that's a much more of a sure bet, much more of a sure thing is that is that Florida State is under Mike Norvell, kind of a program in its infancy, as I said a little earlier today. Not only have they not had a good offensive line in what seems like 10 years, I can't even hardly think of them having a good offensive lineman. Now, Norvell doesn't take all the blame for that. But my gosh, at a certain point, you have to wonder how much of an experiment do you want to be of the first good offensive lineman that florida states had since i don't even know who jamie dukes or somebody like that uh dog crazy 76 says i was uh um hoping the marius Mims would come back to his first love uga he says you're the man you're needed and important all the talent around you will make you a uh, better go dogs There's a lot of georgia fans happy and reacting to this uh, uga 66 also says kirby his parents are someone must have greatly impacted this decision he's reportedly making the correct one for sure the other leagues cannot offer the opportunities for development that georgia can kirby offers one of the not the best uh development programs Did they talk him into a playing guard i guess that'll be curious to see because it stands right now i mean it does seem like that mcclendon and jones are your two starters there at tackle you know your, i guess your red team tackles on saturday a lot of Ernest green and some of austin blasky there too so maybe Mims kind of slides back for now to the spot that he was seemingly practicing in when he was practicing the spring there at right tackle. But, you know, obviously I've expressed some wishes that he would play guard and maybe, you know, be one of the best five right now. Evan Neal once did that, slid over to tackle and became a very good one in Alabama this past season and will now be a first-round pick and maybe even the number one overall pick uh, after traveling that path. I could see Mims doing the same thing. But it's important to note, and I said this during the regular show, there was really no point in the Mims story, whether it was as a player not playing very much year one or 
a player that you thought was transferring just last week. At no point in any moment here over the course of this last, you know, MIMS news cycle for as long as it's lasted, no one's ever really suggested that he was less than the talent we all thought he was kind of coming out of high school. Now, listen, there is still something to be said for going out and and, and producing on the field the way you're supposed to, and eventually MIMS will probably get his chance to do that. But in terms of being disappointed by the the player that he was or disappointed thinking that uh, he wasn't really what he was you know, made out to be, you almost never heard that at all about Marius Mims, that he was just a guy like a lot of guys are who was being asked to be a little bit patient for that moment for him to come. And maybe now that patience is actually going to win out. So very interesting comments here today as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. As I said before, check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can trust them to do that. We'll see you back here tomorrow as well for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia.